With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, we back on live. I know the vibes already, man. Brooklyn, the building, man. PSA Hip Hop, man. It's your boy, Pete Leather, man. Special guest coming on right through, man. When I think of Brooklyn right now, when I think of Brooklyn right now, I think he's the best. I've been saying this for a while, too. So it's not me jumping out the window or just trying to sound like the cool guy at the table or a cool hip hop guy, man. Let me get my guy here, man. Sky Zoo, what's popping, my nigga? Peace, peace. What's going on, man? What's good, Lord? How you doing, brother? Cool and cool. Can you hear me good? I want to make sure you can hear me and yeah, everything. Sky, cool. you good. Sky, you good, fam. I appreciate okay. you coming on the show first off. You good, fam. How you, man? Uh, thank you. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me, man. Yo, I know we've been trying to do this for a minute. We've been going back and forth for a minute, but our schedules was right. all over the place. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. When, when you ready, I'm right. tied up. When I'm ready, you might be right. tied up. But, right. you know, we we here right. now, right. man. No, no better time than the present. Yes, yes. Sky, let me ask you a question. Is that fear? When when I speak to a lot of people, right, about you on, in hip-hop circles, they always say underrated. Does that bother you for a man that's been doing this for over, since 2006? You've been there, what, 2006, 2006, you know what I'm saying? Since I clouded yeah. everything, like... I mean, yeah, you, you, you know, as, as an MC, uh, as anybody in the creative arts or anything where, you know... Your talent, there's a talent and a creative aspect that's judged by people. And, you know, whether you're designing clothes or painting or making music or right. whatever, you always want to be looked at as, as you know, someone in a, on a certain level. And, you know, I've been blessed to be able to look, be able to be looked at on a certain level for sure. But, you know, when it comes to, like, people may not be in the know as of yet or whatever it is. I mean, of course, you know, that, that may, right. you know, that may trickle on your mind a little bit, but, it ain't the end of the world at all, you know what I mean? Because all it means is that regardless of how many people know me and regardless of how great you may feel I am, you still feel like, yo, like, you know, all the just do and credit that I do get, you feel like with right. my level is where it should be more than that, which is dope. That means that no matter how dope, you know, I'm looked at, there's people like you who feel like, nah, man, but he should be looked at even crazier. And I'm looked at pretty yes. crazy already, so that's, that's a good thing, you know what I mean? So it don't it don't bother me like that, you know what I'm saying? I just know that my work is going to be around for a while. You know, the people yes. who are looked at as underrated, they're the ones who work, you know, last forever. You know, you look at The Wire, 
I mean, people didn't get hip to the greatness of the wire until season five. Facts. You know what I mean? Like Facts, it was over right. at that Facts. point. So now Facts. people are going back Facts. and looking at it like, yo, man, what did we miss 15, 20 years ago? Well, this is what you missed. So, you know, that that's how I look at myself, you know. So it's all love. Mm. Um, You dropped two projects this year, brother. And I feel like, yeah. and, and shame on me also, because I felt like Milestone and the Jazz uh, project you did, Um, I felt like those weren't really talked about a lot, especially this year when I see a lot of rappers. Well, let me rephrase that, Sky. To all the nice niggas like yourself, the R.J. Payne's, the Shane North, the 38 Specials, the Ransom of the World, like those core guys drop one or two projects in, in a year calendar. Why do you feel like mm-hmm. I, I feel like I didn't really know about Milestone until I had to do my until I had to go to go dig to see what you got going on? Because I have a problem also. I just did a top albums of the year, and I'm like, yo, fam, how is Sky not in the conversation? And, and, and mm-hmm. if you're having a top twenty album of the year. You know what I mean? Like, what do you feel about that right. milestone and the project that you dropped? You know what I'm saying? Both dope projects. Yeah, uh, the the bluest note. Yeah, the bluest note was the jazz joint. First off, they were both they were both EPs, and I think when you drop an EP, there's not as much light on it because it's a shorter project. It's a quicker project. You know, an EP is usually five or six songs. You know, uh, I think the bluest note is six songs, and uh, milestones mm-hmm. is seven. So, you know, when you drop right. an EP, it's a shorter project. It's kind of like a flash in the pan. It hits real quick. So it, it's harder for people to look at it in that light when you're talking about albums of the year because it's not an album. It's an EP, right. you know. So I dropped right. two EPs this year. So, you know, if they were both full-length albums, 14 songs or something like that, and they were an hour and change or more, then I would be like, yo, what's going on? You know what I'm saying? But, you know, the fact that mm. they, they're EPs. Now, if we did an EP list, the right. best EPs of the year, you damn right, both of them better be on there, you know what I'm saying? But you know, um but the the fact that right, they were EPs right. and not albums, I'm o I'm okay with that, you know. But all I care about right. is the people who do know about them and the people who are aware of them and, and did put their ear to it, they know what it is and they give it up like, nah, 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 these was nuts, you know. Especially right. with um you know, they're two totally different beasts, you know. The the blue yes. note is a, yes. a jazz project. So I know when hip hop it's going to get looked at a little differently because a lot of people who call themselves hip-hop connoisseurs or music connoisseurs or they know what they're doing when it comes to music, they're not as privy to mm-hmm. hip-hop. So their appreciation isn't the same, which says a lot about who they think they are that they're really not, you know. But that's one. Right. But for two, with Milestones, man, Milestones was such a special project Woo! because no one has ever done a project like that before, ever. Listen, listen, hip-hop. Sky. No one's, listen, I'm, let's take it here. Let me show you how no one's ever taken here on Milestone. First of all, the project is more dedicated to fathers, right? And you also dropped it in June around Father's Day time period, around that area. So I find yeah, it very I dropped unique. it that weekend. You know what I mean? Right, you dropped it that weekend. Yeah. So you were mindful enough to know, okay, I'm going to do this project, but I'm also going to drop it on around Father's Day. So you were mindful going into the project, I take it, right? No, absolutely, because it was about fatherhood you know that that album is about right. fatherhood 100 percent. so it only made sense mm-hmm. to drop it on father's day i couldn't drop it in july i couldn't drop it in yes. may i had to drop it <laughs> right, father's right. day weekend on purpose or or it was it mm-hmm. would get lost people wouldn't understand the relevancy of it you know so with that project mm-hmm. you know that's something that's going to be around forever in the sense of if you're yes. a hip-hop fan 20 years from now and you're also a father you're going to play that because you're a father yes. who loves hip-hop and you want something to play. Just like where every Mother's Day, they play I'll Always Love My Mama. They play Boys to Men, Mama, yes. You Know I Love You. They yeah. play all those mm-hmm. records. 
I gave mm-hmm. us music for Father's Day. They played Tupac, Dear Mama. Yes, you did. I gave us music for Father's Day. You know what I mean? So, like, mm-hmm. it's going to last forever. It's like making a Christmas album. It's going to last forever. You know, whether you understand the importance of it now or later, it will never not be relevant because there's always going to be Father's Day as long as the world exists. Right. Now, what I find unique also listening to Milestone, obviously, let's go here with the, with the art cover of the Boys in the Hood art cover. Mm-hmm. Was this also dedicated to the, I don't want to say the lifestyle sky of the Boys in the Hood, like Trey and all that, Ricky and Doughboy and everything like that, but I felt you were playing off mm-hmm. also the cover. Am I right on that also? Oh you, yeah, hundred percent. So, so what right. I did with it, man. So, so yeah. So, milestones is about fatherhood, and it's about the relationship I have with my father, and then that turns into the relationship that I have with my son. You know, so I'm kind of in right. the middle. As I grew up with my dad my whole life, and now I'm raising a son, and I'm taking everything my dad gave me, and I'm giving it to my son. So that's the way it's supposed to be when it comes to parenthood. So the album, or the EP rather, is about fatherhood in that light and the fact that growing up, there weren't too too many fathers around in my neighborhood. Like all my friends, 90% of them didn't have a father. You know, there's a few here and there who had their father. I'm one of them. But, but most I'm from Brooklyn. I wanted them Yeah, cry. you know what I'm saying? Like, right. yeah, like all my friends I grew up with, 90% of them didn't have their father. So on my block, yeah. my father was the only father, you know, maybe, you know, one other uh, father here and there. But it was really nobody there, you know. So I look at, I, I took Boys in the Hood and used it as kind of a metaphor in the sense of Trey had his father and no one else on the block did, you know. And, and my life at growing up as a kid was eerily similar to Trey, you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of right. stuff that happened in the movie was happening yes. in my real life. When that movie came out, I was mm-hmm. nine years old, and my life was just like that as a little kid. The little kid portion of the movie in the beginning that was my right. life in Brooklyn mm-hmm. you know so I use that as a metaphor and and a play on you know what it was like for me growing up and how blessed I was to have my dad and then I turn that into the father that I'm trying to be for my son who's only three years old now so I got a long way to go but you know the father that I plan on being to my son and that's what the project's about. So I used the Boys in the Hood skits throughout the project, and I used the, the cover art that my man Sep did. Shout out to Sep. He, um, he did the cover yeah. art with the Boys in the Hood picture and all that. So all of that was tying it together to make it make sense. Wow. Because on the Memory, on the memory Serves Me song, right? And why does it feel like Sky, like all of us Brooklyn dudes, were born at Kings County Hospital? <laughs> why does it feel like... That's like the only oh, hospital in the 80s, man. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, because I definitely was born in Kings County, man. My record is definitely there. Because when you said when you said I was born in Kings County, shooters beside me, my son was born in the same hospital as Blue Ivy. I'm like, yo, hi, Sky. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, and and, and you know the, the 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 way I wrote that. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead, Sky. Go ahead. Go ahead. You go ahead. I pop. You go. You go. You know the 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 way the the kind of the genius behind that line is the fact that okay, my dad had me when he was 20, and so he was mm. a young father. I had my son when I was 35. So, you know, I say my son was born in the same hospital as Blue Ivy. My father was 20. I was 35. I'm still trying to measure up to the worldly design. So what I'm saying in that Ooh. is, okay, my dad had me in, in a situation where he was 20. I was born in one of the worst hospitals in Brooklyn, and I say shooters beside me, meaning, like, I'm being born in the delivery room. The room next to me, it mm. might be the, the dude with bullets in him. You know what I'm saying? Because that was King right. County. You know what right. I'm saying? Like, that, that right. was King County. So 
his work was to make sure that when it was my turn, I upgraded everything. So what happened when it was my turn, I upgraded everything. I was a father later on. I didn't get caught up and have a kid at 19, 20 years old. I had my kid in a prestigious hospital. You know, my son was born in Lenox Hospital where Blue Ivy and with Beyonce and them mm. Blue Ivy at, you know? Mm. So, like, <laughs> right. my father could look at it and be like, yo, I did it right. I made sure that my son elevated the game more than I had it. So I had it here. He took it up another level because that's what you want as a parent. So I want my son to do even more when it's his turn than I did, you know? But then I flip it mm. at the end and I say, my father was 20, I was 35, I'm still trying to measure up to the worldly design, meaning even though I did certain things and I elevated it, I still feel like I'm not on his level yet as a father. I still feel like I'm learning from him. So that's the that's the genius behind the line. Even though he could look at me and be like, yes, God, you took the baton and you, you went even further, I'm looking at it like, right. man, I'm still learning. I, I'm still not as good as you are yet. I'm still learning. And that's right. the genius of, right. of the line. And that project has a, a thousand of those moments, man, and that's why it's important. It does. Son, when you write, listen, Sky, when you got a song like At Least I Got One, that's kind of self-explanatory, right? When you title a song, At Least I Got One, and you're talking about fathers, right? It's kind of self-explanatory yeah. when, you, when you title that song, in my opinion. You know? Um, yeah. One of my favorite songs also is Turning Ten. And one thing about you, yep. in, a, in a land of era hip-hop, where we talk about who's a great storyteller, right? Slick Rick gets love. Ghostface gets love, Nas gets love, big, yada, 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 right? Dogs, I think your storytelling mm-hmm. is, I think Brooklyn niggas, period. I, you, Jay, big, MOP, like these niggas' stories, you, the storytelling on, the, on this particular song, Turning um, 10. Are you trying to say, Sky, that, okay, if I, I have a son, right, and I'm not with my baby moms, that at 10 years old, do I take her from his baby moms and let him live with me to be up as a man? Am I taking Absolutely. that wrong? I'm looking that's exactly what I'm okay. talking about. Okay. Th- that's okay. exactly what I'm talking Because that's what happened with me. And in the movie, that's what happened. That's why I said my life was so similar to that movie. You know what I'm saying? Like, because right. in the movie, he was he was 10 years old. And I when I saw yes. the movie with my pops, I was nine going on 10. And I was like, wow, this feels like me. And sure enough, you know, a couple months later or whatever, I was living with my pops. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, what, right. I, what I'm saying with that record is, yo, man, like, it's all right if y'all not together, the mother and the father. It's okay. My parents wasn't together. You know what I mean? Like, it's all right if y'all right. not together. But if it's a boy, the mom's got to know, yo, if I want what's best for my son, then he got to live with his pops once he turned about 10 years old because things are going to start changing in his life physically, mentally, emotionally. And as a woman, you're not going to be able to teach him what he needs to know to make it right. as a man, you know. So right. you got if you love him, and if the father is worthy, if the father is a, a jerk, you know, a dickhead, then that's different. But if the father is worthy, <laughs> right. the father's always in his life, and the father is doing his part when he's supposed to do it, he's going above and beyond, he's getting them every weekend and all those types of things, and you can trust the kid being in the father's life, you know, and, and the, the kid living with the father more than he's with you, then you got to let that boy go. Let that boy go. Mm. Let him go live with his pop, and you get him on the weekend, you know. And that's a uh, that's a big pill for a mother to swallow, you know, because you you may feel yeah. like, "Dag, am I really being Dag. a good mother?" You know, a mother's connection to a child yeah. is the most unique thing in the world. But as, if you love that kid, and if that father is worthy, you got to do it. And my moms did it, you know. I moved, and I was yeah. with my mother every weekend, you know. I was with my pops during the week, and on the weekends I went to my mother's house. And then there was weekends where I didn't go. Just like in the movie, and my mother be like, "Yo, this why you ain't come saying. over?" Like, it yo, I, I was cooling with A. Like, I ain't want to come over. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. 
It, it's what, reminding what, me of Angela Bassett. You know what I'm saying? It reminds oh, me of yeah, Angela absolutely. Bassett and Lawrence Fishburne in the absolutely. movie where Trey went to go live with his pops, though. You know what I'm saying? The mom was all, she was all yeah. sad and everything that she had let him go, but she had let him go. So it's so brilliant to right. your brilliant. That's exactly, guy anyway. that's ex- that's that's exactly what happened with us. That's exactly what happened with us. And then, you know, you see how it works because the, the, the kids who was raised by their mother, it's not a, it doesn't mean it's always like this, but a lot of times the, the men who was raised by only their mother, it's harder. You know, they have a harder time making it. They have a harder chance for survival, whereas if the, if the man does raise that boy, he has a better shot at becoming a man and everything working out the way that we all want it to. And that's all I'm talking about. And the same rules apply if it's reversed. If it's a little girl and the father got right. custody of the little girl, yo, get that little girl up to her mother when she get a certain age. She's going to have things going yes. on with her body. She's going to have things going yes. on mentally, emotionally that you know nothing about. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> And the mom Zero. knows how to teach her what to buy at the store and what to wear. and th- You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, personal products and things like we don't know nothing about that. So if it's a little girl, yo, get that girl up, man. The mother should have her. You know what I mean? And that's what I'm talking or about. Duffel bag weekends. Is that more of a song like almost like a joint custody thing? Like you're packing your bags every other every other week or weekend? Am I right on that? I... Well, yeah, it, yeah, because it's saying you know now I moved in. You hear turning ten, I moved with my pops, but I'm, I'm, I still got my mother in my life. So every weekend I had a yeah. duffel bag. So like growing up every weekend when I went to school. Yeah. You know, on Fridays I had this green Nike duffel bag every Friday. If you if you went to school with me in junior high and high school, you know I had a green Nike duffel bag every weekend. On Friday I had it, and then on Monday I had it because right. I was going back home to my pops' crib. Every weekend I had my my duffel bag going to my mom's crib. Mm. And um, not to fast forward here, but on a song for your for the fathers, man, I really like that song a lot. Obviously, that's like a superhero dad talk. Uh, basically a celebration, obviously the milestone itself, but this particular song or song yeah. to the fathers is basically to niggas like myself, like, you know what I'm saying, celebration mm-hmm. to us, right? Yeah, all of us, man, because like I said, we never right. we never had nothing really for us as dads in hip-hop. You know, when you talk about fatherhood records in hip-hop, you're talking about Ed O.G., you're talking about L.L., yeah, you're talking yeah. about, you know, you yeah. know what I'm saying? I know Joel did one. You know, I know Chris Rivers, Ross did, you know, a lot of guys did them, yeah. but yeah, but yeah. a lot of the records when it comes to fatherhood and hip hop are the negative side. You know, my dad was never around. My dad did yes. dirty, be a father to your child. Yes. You need to be there for your kid. And all of that stuff is yes. real. All of that stuff is real life. And if that was your life, then I respect and salute you for rising above that. But at the same time, everybody in hip hop wasn't in a situation where they ain't had a dad. That's, it's untrue. There's no way in the world that's, that's possible. You know what I'm right. saying? But for right. whatever reason, nobody wants to talk about being a good father in hip-hop. Or nobody wants to talk about having their father in hip-hop. Nobody wants to say, yeah, I had my dad my whole life. Word up. Because you think, oh, if he had his dad, then he not real. He not thorough. He wasn't yeah. outside. Yeah. None of that is true. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I right. grew up in the hood. My, my dad was a street dude. I learned a whole lot mm-hmm. of things from him. I learned a whole lot of things from going outside regardless of if Thanks. I had a father or not hanging out and being on the <laughs> yeah. corner and all that. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it don't mm-hmm. mean one thing or another. You know what I'm saying? Just because you have your dad don't mean, you know, oh, you like you said, silver spoon or you ain't hard or you ain't yeah. real. Not at all. Mm-hmm. That's, that's stupid. But for whatever reason in hip-hop, 
people like to hide the fact that they had their dad in their life because it may not make them look as thorough. Their story may not be as, as heartbreaking. It may not be as rough and raw. And that's nonsense, man. You know what I mean? So I wanted to change that narrative. Like, yo, man, we got, we in hip hop, but you know what? I had my dad my whole life. And I know a lot of these other MFers had their dad too. So stop fronting and acting like your dad wasn't in your life and show him the same love that you show your mom. You know what I'm saying? Like, I needed something for us, you know. Now, now, Will Smith did, you know, just the two of us, which was a fantastic record. Nas had Daughters, which was a fantastic record. But even on Daughters, he talked about how he slipped up. He talked about, yo, I wish I was around more because I found condoms in your Mm -hmm. drawer and da-da-da-da-da. And I get that. That was a real thing that happened with them, and I respect that, you know. But this is a real thing that happened with me, so you got to respect this too. Mm. On um, Duly Noted, right? Is that more of you going into your poetry bag, your death poetry uh, bag? Yeah, yeah, that's the poetry spoken word side. That right. you know, people always want me to bring that out. I don't bring it out all the time, but it's something that I can do. I mean, I've done it on, I did it on a celebration of us. I did it on a dream deferred. You know, I, I do it every now and then, and I felt the need to do it because I always liked that little, that little melody in Boys in the Hood. You know, when when they went fishing and all that, I always liked that. Um, you know, that 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 key or whatever that was right there. <laughs> And I wanted to do something with that. And trying to chop it up to rhyme to it kind of wouldn't have made sense. But I wanted to do something with it. And I said, you know what, I, if I do a spoken word piece on this, that would be dope. And it was just a nice way to, to, to close out the album. Wow. So this, this is what I'm saying, Sky. When you go into creativeness and you have to sit there as an MC and be like, okay, I've been dropping mad projects for years, right? What else can I do? What can I go left with that no one's ever done in hip-hop? And I'm just going to do a whole album dedicating fathers. Not one song. We're going to do a plethora of joints right here. So for your brain to mm-hmm. go in that bag, you know what I mean? I got to salute you heavy on that, man. And then I could fast forward to um, when you did a project, um, pardon yourself here, the, um, the, um, pardon me, the, the um, Dumbo Station project, the Blue Snow. Yeah, the Blue Snow. What's, yeah. what's, what's ill to me? What's ill to me is this: if they've been listening to you for years. I don't know if niggas be listening, like Obi saying, man. Niggas, do niggas listen to rap? You've always celebrated jazz <laughs> right. raps. You've always talked about yeah. Coltrane and other jazz artists in your rhymes. You've always had some mm-hmm. trumpet, some saxophone, some type of that type always. of um, always, uh, always, always in, 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 in um instrumentation, so to speak, those guys. Yep. So for you to do this, I think it's up your alley and something that you you, you probably love doing this project probably more than Milestone. Am I right on that? Yeah, you know, it's something I always wanted to do as far as a whole project with a jazz band. You know, like you said, I've always had jazz elements in my music. I've always, you know, you got these hard, dirty drums or soul samples or whatever, but then I'm going to call my man and he's going to play trumpet. I'm going to call my man and he's going to play keys. I'm going to call my man and he's going to play the flute and saxophone. Like, always, I always do that, every single album, no matter what. And, um to be able to make a whole project with a jazz band was always something I wanted to do. And I was able to do it. You know, I met, um, I met a dude a couple of years ago when I was on tour, I was in Italy doing a show and, you know, uh, my man, Dom, this dude, Dom introduced himself. He's my homie now, but at the time I didn't know him, he introduced himself and said he had a, a label based out of Italy and he had a jazz band and <clears> he wanted to lock in with me wow. and, you know, wanted to do a whole project. And, I mean, that was music to my ears. Like you said, if you know me, 
you know that's what right. I'm into. So, you know, I said, yo, who's the band? Let me hear them. Let me know what's up. And then when I heard their album, I was like, yo, they're incredible, man. The band was called Dumbo Station. I was like, yo, they're incredible, man. Like, yo, let's let's do it. Like, they are really incredible. I'm down. And, um, you know, we got together. And summer of 2019, I went to Italy for a week. And we did the whole thing in wow. a week. You know what I mean? We did the whole joint in about five or six days. And, yeah, I think it was about five days. Because one day we were shooting videos. One day we went out and, um, you know, we was just, you know, kind of cooling out and enjoying being in Italy and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I think we did the whole thing in about five days and uh, we knocked it out. And the thing about that project, too, I actually co-wrote a lot of the musical arrangements, like a lot of the the instrumentation. Like I would go to the drummer and say, yo, let's do this. Play it like this. Okay, cool. Yo, I'll go to the keys and my man on the keys and be like, yo, play it like this. I go to my man on the bass and be like, yo, let's play it like this. And we keep going and going. And, um, you know, so that was me kind of co-producing, kind of like Quincy Jones in it. You know what I mean? So I wrote all the rhymes, of course, but then I also, like, co-produced a lot of the instrumentation and the production of it, which was great, too. And, yeah, I love it, man. It came out wonderful. And, you know, we we knocked it out the park. Six joints, boom, boom, boom. We blew through it. And, like I said, we did it in about five days. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a big Gangstar fan, right? So I remember when Guru mm-hmm. went to his Jazzmatized bag. I can't say I liked mm-hmm. him more when he rocked out with Primo, even though he's always done jazz mm-hmm. too. But I was very impressed with this project, man. You know what I mean? Because even you. when you did um, you used to live in Brooklyn and everything, how you took Most Def's uh, Brooklyn song on Black on Both Sides, yep. how you freaked that. I yep. thought that was ill, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? I, I love the fact that you did that. So once again, showing that you're a student of the game, obviously, and shit, because I love most stuff, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, most of one of my favorites, for sure. For real. Listen, I'm, I'm still mad that he doesn't do music consistently. I think that's a voice of hip-hop that we're missing, though. I don't know how you feel about oh, yeah. that, but I love Black on Both Sides. I, mean, I thought it was a classic album, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, nah, same here. I absolutely agree with that. You know? Um, the caveat joint, man. That's one of my favorite joints on here, man. I, I think that joint is, is uh, fire. You. you know what I'm saying? Thank you. But are we surprised that hip hop and jazz they coincide though, right? Absolutely. You know, um, if you if you do the history on jazz, the way people looked at hip hop right. in the early days, as far as like you know, it ain't gonna last, and that's kind of. Mm-hmm. The devil music and all that stuff. That's the way right. jazz was looked at in the beginning. Obviously, nobody looks at it like that now. But when jazz was first being created and being born, that's the way it was looked at. It was like, oh, you out there playing that jazz. You out there, that's that junk. That's <laughs> that, you know, like that yeah. That was the way it was looked right. at. And then obviously it grew into something that was huge and respected and, you know, loved and revered. And same thing with hip-hop. So there's all these similarities, right. there, man. Like there's all these similarities of the coolest guys in the world was in jazz bands. You know, they play the instrument, yes. you know, they smoke a cigarette or smoke a cigar outside or, you know, they was even shooting up, you know, because back then shooting up was like smoking weed. So they were shooting up, which yes. is crazy, you know what I mean? But, you know, it was a different right. time back then. You hear the stories about Miles and Train and Lee Morgan and all the guys who was, you know, had their vices and had to come down off that and, and, and get their life together. But, you know, jazz was, was very similar to hip hop and still is. And, musically, it makes so much sense with it. That's why so many people sample jazz. And some of the greatest hip-hop records yes. ever are jazz samples. Listen. You look at The World Is Yours, Pete Rock. I feel like The World Is Yours 
is the greatest beat ever in hip hop. I've gone on record saying wow. it like a million times. I, yeah, I think the world wow. is yours is the greatest okay. beat ever, and that's that's an Amaja Mall sample. That's Amaja Mall. I love music, you know, and mm-hmm. there it is. That's jazz. You know what I mean? So, so but but, but Sky, if you look at groups like Stephanie they have a song called "Talking All That Jazz." Look at Tribe Called Quest. Mm-hmm. We like the jazz. We got the jazz. So it's like niggas have yeah. always through the jazz terminology. In hip hop, but you really, you know, you and Guru took it to other to other levels where y'all really stuck the jazz and, and, and that and everything like that, man. Um, live bands, the horns, the jazz samples, man. You know what I mean? The sax and everything like that. Um, yeah, you like no, absolutely, it. man. You know, I've I've always been, uh, you know, I, that's me being a fan of jazz. You know, some people may try to jump on a certain bandwagon because it makes it. Right. It makes it different or it makes sense on some, like, yo, I, I could pop off this. Yo, nobody's doing this, so I'm going to do it. That's not – if everybody mm-hmm. was, was using live bands, I would still use a live band. If everybody was adding trumpets on their records, I would still do – and I'm seeing people do those things after me, and that's cool. You know, right. people come to me and they be like, yo, man, yo, you see how you how you flip the game. You see everybody trying to be you. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But, you know, yeah. I don't get mad as long as as long as it's being done right. And the culture is moving yes. a certain way. And if you if you're doing it, if you're gonna add jazz elements to your music, to your hip hop, that you do it right, and you don't just do it just to do it, then I'm hey man, that that's what I want is for it to grow and for jazz to be respected within hip hop and loved by those who may not be familiar with jazz. A lot of people heard the bluest note and weren't jazz fans, but they loved the project. Then they went and started listening to jazz. Yo, I started listening to Miles. I started listening to Herbie Hancock. Yes. I started listening to Lawrence Silver right. because of you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, word, that's mm-hmm. what's up. Like, I'm, I'm all for that. So a lot of people come to me, though, and they be like, yo, man, you see a lot of rappers are starting to add their horns, and they a lot of people starting <laughs> to do it now that you did it. And I'm like, yeah, hey. I see it. Yeah, I mean, I see it. But it's cool, you know? It's cool. Right. Um. When you locked in last year with Pete Rock to do Retropolitan, man, this is one of my favorite albums last year, man. Can you tell me, locking in with Pete, yeah. how was the, the chemistry between you and Pete, man? Because this was a fire album. Listen, Pete has done what albums with Smith & Wesley, and I know he did one with Smoke Dizza and Benny and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But this is one of the best albums last year, in my opinion, man, Retropolitan, man. Um, talk to me, man. You and Pete Rock, man. You and, you and a legend. Yeah, thank you, man. Thank you. No, nah, I mean, um... A lot of people feel like it's one of his best collaborative albums, period. Like, all the it people is. he's done albums right. with. And he doesn't do albums with a lot of people, but a lot of people feel like, yo, man, out of that's all the drinks he did, this, this is... But, but, but besides yeah. him and CL, Sky, you and, you, and, you and Pete did a great job. You know what I mean? I hold you. I did a great job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, man. Nah, it was it was amazing, man. You know, Pete the legend, he's top three easily. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. top three yeah. easily producers. GOAT, for sure. Um, and it was amazing. It was an awesome process. The chemistry was great. There was no awkward moments or, you know, button heads creatively. Like, nah, it was it was wonderful, man. Um, we did the whole thing together. You know, it wasn't email and, you know, I'm email you some joints and do them and send them back. Like, it wasn't that. I went to his house. I picked, like, 40 beats, and then I chopped that down into, like, 30, and then I chopped that down into 20, and then, you know, I chopped it down to, like, 12. You know, that's how you do You pick a bunch of beats and right. the ones you fall in love with and whatever. So I chopped it down in about 11, 12 songs. I have a mini record. I think it's 12 songs on the album. And, um, yeah, and, and that was the way we did it, man. And we was in the studio every day. Every day we was in the studio together. Wow. We was in there. I was writing, and, and he was rolling up and doing his thing. And, 
you know, I, I was writing and, and everything was smooth. You know, I mean, we was knocking them out. And we did the whole album, man. You're going to think I'm lying, but I've said this on record before, so it's noted. We did the whole thing in about 11 days. Come on, son. 11, Scott. 11 days. Yeah, we did the whole thing in 11 days. This, yeah, the thing what? with me, man, the, the, the thing with me, I, I, write, I write everything on the spot. I write everything on the spot, and I write quick, you know, and it's a blessing that I'm able to do that. I write quick, and I write right on the spot in front of you. So if we're going to go to the studio and do a joint, I'm not going to say, yo, That's send it. me the beat so I can write it at home, and then when I get there, I'm going to lay it. I don't do that, you know. <laughs> I, even if you send me the beat, I'll listen to it yeah. just to catch a vibe and see if I like it, but I'm not going to write a single word until I get to the studio. Once I get to the studio, then I'll sit down, turn it on, and start writing. And I write everything on the spot. So I was writing three songs a day, knocking them out, boom, boom, boom. I might do three songs today. Wow. Tomorrow I might do two. The next day I might do three. The next day I might do two in a verse. The next day, you know, like that. that's just how I work, you know. So we was able to do the whole thing in 11 days. Um, one of my favorite collaborations last year, sir, and I, this is just, I mean, when you put a bunch of dope MCs together on one joint and P-Rock is doing the beat, you put Benny Conway yourself, Westside Gunn, and my man Elzai on Eastern Conference All-Stars, man. I wish there was a video for that. I ain't gonna lie, Scott. I wish I did a video for Just to see the visual <laughs> with all you brothers in yeah. all together, man. How do you feel about that? Yeah, we, we, we talked about it. it. We no, love but, Eastern but, Conference All-Stars. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, we talked about doing a video, but, you know, everybody lives in different places, so that's what made it so hard. Right. That, like, everybody lives all over the place on the map. Like, that record was emailed, you know. Um, the rest of the album, obviously, you know, me and Pete did everything together, but all those verses, like, they emailed their verses in, you know. Um, I actually, I recorded West verse at his house. I went to his crib because he got the studio in his crib, and I hit him, and right. he was like, yeah, yeah, come to the crib. You know, I knocked the verse out. So I went to the crib, and his man who run the Pro Tools wasn't around. So he was like, yo, bro, you know how to work Pro Tools? I was like, yeah, definitely. So he was like, yo, if, if you can run the Pro Tools, I'll do the verse right now, no problem. I was like, all right, cool. So, you know, he wrote it right on the spot in front of me and knocked it out, and I recorded him. But everything else, you know, everybody emailed it into me. Uh, but it, it came out awesome, man. Like, I just had this vision of, like, a posse cut. You know, we, we came from an era, you know, me and you, and, you know, we, we came from an era of, like, Reservoir Dogs and yes. you know, um, you know, scenario, yeah, four three two one. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, we we came yes, from an man. era of of you know posse cuts. You know what I mean? We yes. came from an era yes. of you know when you heard four or five yes. MCs go crazy on one beat, yeah. and we hadn't heard that in a while. I hadn't, I, I couldn't remember a posse cut in a while off somebody's album. You know, um, I'm sure maybe a few exist, but I, I just couldn't think of any, and I was like, "Yo, it need to be a right. posse cut." And I just had this this idea for that title, Eastern Conference All Stars. Yeah, with five dudes like the All Star Game, suited up, ready mm. to go. And uh, that that was the roster I put together. And I remember when I told Pete, you know, what I wanted to do, I was like, "Yo, I got this idea for this record, and it's gonna be called Eastern Conference All Stars." And I want to put these guys on it, and I named everybody. He was like, "What?" He was like, "Yo, yo." <laughs> That's insane, bro. I was like, yeah, it's going to be stupid. Yeah. He was like, yo, we got to have the right beat. And I was like, yeah, like, let me know what you think. And he literally, he said, yo, I know exactly what beat it got to be. And he played that beat. That beat is fire. And that was it. Christ, he played that man. beat. Because I didn't know, I didn't know what the beat would be. I didn't know what the sound would be. I just, 
yeah, I just knew it had to be nuts. I knew it had to be something we could go nuts yeah. on. And he, being a producer, being a legend, the GOAT and all that, he knew the vibe. He was like, yo, I know the beat that it should be. And he played one beat for that. And I was like, yo, that's it. As soon as he played it, I was like, yo, that's yes. it. That's it. And we, we just went yo. to work. Man, that's fire. Um, why do I feel like you and Elzai should connect? I would like to hear you and Elzai connect more. That's me being a hip-hop nerd right quick, El. I mean, Sky. You and Elzai linking up more to do joints together. Because why, why I say that, I find it ironic, right, that he did a tribute to Nas Illmatic and you did for a reason, for reasonable doubt, and then y'all did a joint together. I'm like, wow, right. it's crazy how that works. You know what I'm saying? You and Elzai, that would be yeah, I yeah, think no, that was great, man. Yeah, Ella's great, man. You know, um, and that's my man. You know, we toured together after the album came out last year. Okay. We toured all last year together, so that was dope. So we was able to really build a relationship. Like we knew each other, and it was love. You know, like we see each other at events and different things, and you know, we did the joint. We actually did a joint before. We did um, we did a joint on Diamond D album together, me and him and Quali. And then we did a joint back in 2015 on music for my friends. If you buy the vinyl, it was a a bonus song that was only available on the vinyl called Hands Folded Together. You could probably find it on YouTube or something. Uh, That's me and L as well. That was the first joint we ever Mm. did. Uh, But you know we but you know once we went on tour, we was really able to build and become like family. You know what I'm saying? So it's love, man. you never know. You never know what the future holds. You know, I know we'll probably do more records here and there, do a verse here, a verse there. So you never know. You know what I mean? But but he's he's obviously super, super dope. You know, he's he's definitely yeah. one of them guys, you know what I'm saying? And and, and we yeah. all know that. So it's uh it's dope right. being with like minded individuals, you know. On the glorious joint, is that Pete Rock digging into his Caribbean roots bag, Scott? <laughs> The glorious oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pete, Pete is um, you know, Pete is West Indian, Jamaican, he's Jamaican yes, and he yes. and he loves it. He loves sampling Jamaican stuff yes. and reggae stuff, yes. and I love it. You know yes. what I mean? That's awesome. I love it. So um, but you know, with with that beat, with all those beats, you know, none of the beats he really made on the spot. All of the beats was like beats he had in the stash. Like what he did was, I went to mm. the crib and he just was playing beats and he played like sixty beats. You know, and I took like forty of them. I was like, "Yep, that, 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 that." You know, so that was one of the joints. <laughs> hey. um, you know, he made. Let me see. He made homegrown on the spot. He made that for the album. And he made. Um, was it one time? I think one time was something he kind of made on the spot. He was working on it a little bit, and when I heard it, I was right. like, oh, "That's crazy. I need that." And he was like, "All right, if you like it, I'm gonna finish it up." And I was like, "Yeah, this is nuts." And he went in and finished it. Uh, but yeah, those two he he made like kind of while we were working. Everything else he had like he had at his house and it was just press and play. And when I heard Glorious, the way it started with the slope, yes. I was like, that's how the album got to start. Like for me, mm. I I see the whole puzzle. I see the whole picture and the whole puzzle. And um, when I hear beats, I could tell what's going to be the first beat, what's going to be the last beat. I can just tell. It's just. I guess kind of a gift that I have with picking beats. And as soon as I heard that beat, I was like, that's how I want the album to start. When people press play, that's the first thing I want them to hear. Was it a no brainer or was it hard to go with the first single? It's all good. Was it hard? Was it, was it a no brainer to go? Was uh, it no all brainer. good as the no first brainer. single? When I heard the beat, before I even wrote the record, hey. when I heard the beat, I was like, that's going to be the first single. Because I knew 
when people see the names Sky Zoo and Pete Rock full album together, that's what they want it to sound like. You know what I mean? Like mm. that's what they want it to sound like. If I if I walk into it and I know I'm getting Sky Zoo and Pete Rock, this is what I'm expecting right. to hear. So I knew that's the sound people wanted. And the story behind the beat, that the beat was twenty five years old and he made it when he wow. was making the world is yours and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Like he told me the story, like, yo, I made this beat when I was making the world is yours and I was like, Yeah, I need that. You know wow. I mean? Like I need that straight up and down. And um wow. you know, and and, and even he got the beat off the SP. Like, he brought the SP to the studio and pulled the beat off the SP. <laughs> I mean, so, like, yeah, it, it was all there. The, the, the flop, the, the disc was from, like, 94. Like, the disc said 1994 on it. And I was like, yeah, I, I need that. I, I need a 25-year-old beat. That's incredible. I need that. So I knew. I knew wow. I was going to be the single. Um, and penny jerseys, man. I think that's underrated how... Niggas didn't really go hard with the penny jerseys, those guys. I don't think niggas really understand that. <laughs> oh, the yeah, nah, jersey. man, listen, listen, yeah. man. Listen, man, if you if you know me, you know my music, you know there's certain things right. I talk about. You know, I'm, I'm a product Fashion. of nostalgia. I love talking about yes. the way things were and how I grew up and all that. And mm. Penny was my guy, man. You, I, I did Penny Freestyle Series, you know what I'm saying? Like, Penny yeah. was my guy, man, you know what I'm saying? It still yeah. is. You know, I, I'm a penny head. Penny sneakers, jersey, everything. I got a penny jersey autograph framed on my wall, you know, like that's my man. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, it with that record, it was really just talking about an era. So it wasn't really talking about Penny. It was about an era. It was about right. everything that was going on in 95. I was 13, mm-hmm. and this is what my world was, living in Brooklyn, living on the block, playing ball. this is what it was like outside. Yeah, this is what it was like outside, you know, seeing the dudes outside, scrambling, hustling, doing it, getting what they getting, making money, running around, seeing what the hood was and everything that shaped us to be what we turned into. And all of us was on Penny. Penny was Mike for, for that brief moment. Penny was the closest thing to Mike for us. Like, the way Heads felt about Mike and his superstardom, Penny was that guy in, in the mid-90s. Everybody wanted to play like Penny. Everybody had Penny sneakers. Everybody had Penny jerseys. Penny was on TV right. more than Chris Paul is right now with his State Farm commercials. You know what I mean? Like, everybody right, right. was about Penny. Right. You know what I mean? And and, and that right. was a moment. So I remember going outside, everybody had a Penny jersey. And I was like, yo, what? Like, you know what I'm saying? But I had mine, and I had the one – I had I had the joint nobody had yet. Like, oh, he got that one? Oh, I got to go get that one. You know what I mean? So it was right. just about an era and, and a moment in time. Like, that's what that record is about. Okay. Um, wh- what made you decide to do your version of Reasonable Doubt? Obviously, whole Brooklyn classic, of course, the no, 96, of course. What made you decide to do a version? That, that's hard to do. To, to First of all, that showed me that you're, you knew that album back to front, obviously, because you still kept it certain words, but still incorporated your words from from more upgraded version, from more of this era compared to what we was saying in 96. Yeah. But you still kept a nostalgic, though. Was that hard for you to do? Yeah. Easy yeah. You? yeah, well, you know, the idea came from, um, you know, uh, somebody tweeted it. Um, you know, a fan of mine wow. who, you know, a real cool dude. I, I didn't know him at the time. Uh-huh. But yeah, the way that came about, man, Elzai dropped you know, he dropped Elmatic, so this is 2011. Mm-hmm. And then after he dropped it, um, this kid on Twitter, he wrote, yo, Elzai did 
Illmatic, we got to get Sky Zoo to do reasonable doubt. He's the only person that could do it. And then I, I retweeted it and wrote like, LOL. I, I retweeted it and wrote like, LOL with it. Cause I just thought it was funny. And man, it took off. Everybody was like, yo, you doing that? Yo, you doing that? Yo, that's crazy. <laughs> and I was like, yo, I'm not doing that. I just thought it was funny. So I retweeted it. And then man, for like a year or two, every time I would do interviews, like how we on the phone now, people would ask, they would be like, yo, so what's up with that reasonable doubt? And I was like, yo, I never said I was doing that. I just thought that was funny. So I retweeted it. And I was like, yo, you know what, man? People not going, you know, the, the fans, the people want it. They're not going to let it go. They want it. So, you know, let me do it. And and that was the way it went down, you know? Did you feel pressure, though, to make it sound ill, though? To, you know what I mean? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, because you're talking <laughs> about one of the greatest projects ever in hip-hop by, you know, the GOAT, one of the GOATs, you know? So, um, but the thing about it with me was, it wasn't about, I think if other people would have tried to make that album, they would have tried to pretend they was him. So they would have been like, yo, I got 30 keys in the trunk and blah, 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 blah. That's not my life. That was never my life. So I wasn't going to do that, you know. So what I was going to do was take my experiences and the way I really lived yes. my real life and talk about it if I was in those similar situations. So if I was in a situation like the evils or regrets or whatever, this is what I would have done, or this is how I would have felt because this is how I grew up. I didn't grow up like him. I grew up similar because we both from the side in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, right. You know, we grew up around certain things, but Mm -hmm. I didn't go to Jersey and go get busy and all that. Like, that that wasn't my life, you know what I mean? So it's like, okay, if you in a situation like this, this is what you would do. If I was in this exact same situation, this is what I would do. And that's all I did. You know, I think a lot of people would have used that opportunity to write a fantasy, and I wasn't going to do that. Yeah. That's not what I do ever, you know. So it was about me keeping it a buck, you know, keeping it a hundred on who I am and what I do. Yo, my man, for you to do one of my favorite um, Jay's joints on Reasonable Doubt is the Evils, and you did Praying Against the Evils, and the way you freed mm-hmm. that. And, so Antoine, what's the brother's name who tweaked the beats a little bit? Antoine, um, what's his name? My bad, guy. Oh, Wonder, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the way you guys, man, just the way how you guys freaked every song, man. Do you think Jay Z actually heard that project? Do you think? I don't know. You know, I don't know. Um, as a fan, as as a hip hop fan, and as somebody who grew up, come on, somebody slide that to Jay. Man. Yeah, well, well, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing, man. As as somebody who as somebody who grew up a fan of his and of course you know you can hear it in my music that i was definitely influenced by him you know what i'm saying like you know we can't hide that fact you know you you do the project and you feel like yeah it would be dope if son heard it but i didn't do it for that i did it because people kept asking me to do it and i was like you know what if the fans want this let me do this once and for all i'm not doing no part two i'm not redoing nobody else album you know don't come to me asking for in my lifetime, or, you know, uh, hard knock life, like, I'm not doing that. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a one-time thing. You know, that that's why I didn't, I didn't tour it. I never performed anything off that project ever. Like, I never did a show wow. and performed those records because it wasn't about that. I wasn't trying to make it something that I lean on and, and run around with. Like, it wasn't about that. You know, it was it was a one-time piece of art. Like, I never performed those records. I never did a show with any of them records ever, 
you know. I just I, I did it and I kept it moving because it was art. It was a one. It's like if you you tag up, you know, I'm a graffiti head. You do a piece on a wall. Right. You was inspired to do a piece on a wall. You do this whole piece on this big wall and you keep it moving. You know what I mean? It was a one time piece of art. And I was already moved on to Bower Brothers and music for my friends and, you know, all that other stuff. I didn't want to lean on that and try to make a career off of somebody else's album. I didn't want to do that, you know? Wow. What do you remember about doing your first project, Cloud9, the 3 Day I, in 2006? Do you, you remember? We're in 2020, oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, I'm, I'm asking um, you to go back. <laughs> I'm asking you to go back to 2006. Yeah, no, no, it's I'm cool, man. It's cool, man. <laughs> yeah, nah, you know what? Um, oh man, when I did that, so when I did that, man, um, '06, I was working a regular job, you know, wow. um, and I kind of was, I was like, yeah, I was working a regular job at Morgan Stanley and all that, and you know, that was the last job yeah. I ever had too in '06. I, I, I stopped working that year, but um, wow, you know, so I was working a regular job and and just you know, trying to live the rap dream and trying to get on. And I was real cool with Ninth and Little Brother and all of them. And, you know, it was family and all that. And I had all these beats from Ninth that I never did nothing with. And I remember being in the crib, being at my mother's house, and I was bored with, you know, with the radio and the mixtape scene. There was really nothing mm-hmm. going on. I didn't have anything to listen to. So I started playing beat tapes like they were mixtapes. Like, yo, I just wanted to listen to some dope music. And I remember playing all these Ninth beats in the crib. And I was like, yo, man, all these beats that he gave me over time that I didn't do nothing with, you know, because we had this little mm. running joke where every time he would see me, he would hand me a beat CD just <laughs> just for fun. Like, yo, here goes some new beats. Yo, here goes some new beats. And I had like five or six CDs that had like 15 beats each. And um, I was like, yo, there's all these beats I never touched. And, man, I, um, you know, I, I said, you know what, man, this beat is crazy. This beat is crazy. And I just started pulling them aside and writing the numbers and the names down of which beats I loved. And I said, yeah, I'm going to do something with these beats. And then I went to my man crib where I was recording everything at the time in New York. It was actually in Long Island. So I jumped on the train, went mm. to Long Island. And uh, mm. I did, man, how did that work? I did nine joints in two days with, with, with my man. Nine joints in two days. Yeah. And, um, the first song I did was the Bodega. That was the first song I did. That was the first, I did the nine joints in two days. Wow. That was the first one I recorded for that album. Yep. I did nine joints right. in two days. And I told my man, I said, yo, I might be able to turn this into something. And I said, yo, mm-hmm. I'm going I'm to go to North Carolina. I'm going to book a trip for North Carolina soon. And I'm going to see what son think about doing this. And he was like, I bet. So mm-hmm. all this time, I didn't know that I had the project in my pocket. So, you know, maybe a couple of weeks later, I went to I booked the trip and I went to North Carolina for a weekend. I said, "Yo, I'm gonna come down and kick it, and you know, maybe we do a little work." He was like, "Yeah, yeah, you know, the doors always open. Come down." So I went to North Carolina. I'm down there in the lab with him. I handed him a CD, had nine joints on it. I said, "Yo, put this in your pocket." He said, "All right, cool. Word, what's this?" I said, "Nah, don't worry about it. Listen to it, you know, when you're alone." The next morning, I'm staying at my man Sean Don crib. The next morning, he calls me. Nine in the morning, he goes, "Yo, what is this? What is on this CD?" Cause I was like, "Yo, what's up?" He was like, "Yo, this shit is incredible," and he's blasting the bodega in the background. He was like, "Yo, this shit is wow. incredible." Cause I said, "Yo, I, I was, I did it in New York. I did nine joints over two days." He was like, "Yo, yo, what you want to do?" I said, "Yo, you tell me whatever you want to do." <laughs> he was like, "Yo, meet me at the studio at twelve o'clock. Let's finish this up." 
said, all right, cool. I went to the studio, and we did three more joints in one day. So that's how I became 12 songs in three days. Wow, that's crazy. And, yo, this I, how much people, when they talk about your catalog, because you have so much music, though, but for you yourself, because I love the I, I hail the salvation to high regards. What do you feel about the salvation? Do you hold it in high regard? Obviously, you did the work, obviously. Me as a hip hop. Oh, consumer, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I hail it to high regard. Yeah, How much yourself, though? Salvation. Yeah, it, it's my first joint, you know, and they say you take your, your yeah. whole life to make your first album. So, you know, I, I those are ideas and emotions and stories and things that was going on throughout my whole life. You know, that, that saying is real. If you really love making music, you take your whole life to make your first album. Because w- once you start creating, all you think about is what your first album going to sound like. So, you know, from the day you start rhyming and taking it seriously or whatever, you're like, yo, when I make my album, it's going to be like this. Then it's going to be like that. Then it's going to be like this. And <clears> some of those things change. Some of those things stay the same. But that's what they mean when they say you take your whole album and make your, your you take your whole life to make your first album. So, the Salvation was that album for me. And, um, you know, like, for instance, you got a record, like, For What It's Worth, where I talk about getting fired from my job and, you know, yeah. uh, there's too much money in cocaine for me to be playing a broke game. That happened in my real life three years earlier. You know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah. that's how right. I got fired from my job in 2006, you know. So wow. when I got fired, story that day, I was like, yo, this got to be a song. This got to be a song. But I didn't want that song to just be a loose song that I throw out on the internet. I wanted it to be on my album. So I had that, I put that story in my pocket and I waited three years until it was time to make the album. And then I brought that story back to life and I wrote it and did the whole thing. So that's what I mean when I say, you know, you take your whole life to make your first album, man. And, and um, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's my baby right there. You know, that was my debut. I was young. I was still waiting on years. Ah. I was hungry and, and that was it. Yeah. Man. Around a little different. Like, this is a joke. This is fly. Yo, Ninth Wonder to me does not get. I mean, if you know, you know, Sky, of course. I hate to use that stupid cliche. But I feel he doesn't really get a lot of love when it comes to production tip. I think Ninth is. is, is I think every nigga that can rap, rap, that why they don't holler at Ninth is beyond me. Am I bugging on that, though? Right. I think Ninth Wonder is fire. Um, no, so I, think, cool. I think he get his love. I, I think he get his love. Okay. But I hear you, though, where you want to hear. You want to hear more people on that type of time. You know, I, right. I think that the way the right. game is going now, that type of vibe is, is what it's becoming and what it's about. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you started hearing more of that type from other artists, whether it was his beats or other people. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised, you know what I mean? Because, you know, it's all kind of coming full circle as far as the sound. You know, as far as the sound, it's mm. definitely starting to come a little full circle now. Now, it's, it's funny you said the word full circle, right? I felt in 2009, 2012, 2015, even 2015, I felt like you were one of the few rappers when the mumble rapping, the auto-tune and everything was at an all-time high, right? Now we have the game is like going back to everyone trying to rap rap again, right? But I commend you in still dropping dope music and being true to yourself and still fighting to that time period of hip-hop when the Griseldas, the 38 Specials, the Rome Streets, all these other guys that's, that's, that's rapping, R.J. Payne, you know, that's rapping, rapping now, and people are getting hailed for rapping and everything. You're one of the few guys, you Slaughterhouse, I look at you guys, 
like with the guys that were still outside, still trying to keep that pure, pure he's the hip hop, sorry, he's that cliche, pure hip hop and pure lyricism, high lyricism at an all time high. How did you maintain and still keep that in an era when mumble rap and all the other shit was really taking off? Because for me, it's all I know, it's all I love, and integrity is everything for me. You know what I mean? So, like, for me, it's, it's, it's all I know and love, man. And um, it didn't matter what was going on. I'm going to be me. You know, if, if I got a soul food restaurant and all the restaurants around me is starting to make Chinese, I'm not going to go try to make Chinese tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like, I, right. I'm a soul food right. restaurant. This is what I do. You know what I mean? So, like. This, this is my game. This is what I do. This is what I love. This is what I know. And that's that, you know. And I had my market and, and my, um, you know, my, my fan base and my clientele. So if you if you know when you come to me, you getting this, but then you come to me tomorrow and I'm giving you something else, you're like, wait, wait, I came to you knowing I was going to get soul food. You gave me a plate of Chinese. Right. I ain't coming back here no more. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't coming right. back yeah. here no more because yeah. I don't know what to get. So that that's how I look at it. I tell up and coming artists that all the time. Like I use that analogy where I'm like, "Yo, if you went to a pizza shop every week, you went to the same pizza shop because you knew it was great and you knew what they had, but then you go there one week and they pull out tacos, you're not going there anymore. You're gonna be like, "Yo, yo, yo, hold on. I came here because I wanted pizza. If I wanted tacos, yeah. I would have went to the taco spot around the corner, but I ain't I ain't want that today. I wanted pizza." Came here, you ain't have it, so now I'm out. I don't know what to expect when I come here. I knew what to expect. Now I don't get it all. When you hear Sky Zoo, when you see my name on the record, when you go get my album, you know what to expect. It's going to be different beats. It's going to be different producers, different stories, but you know what you're getting. You know the type of food you're getting when you come to this restaurant, and I ain't going to steer you wrong. I'm not going to surprise you tomorrow with Thanks. some, you know, with, with some, some, you know, mumble or trappy or whatever. I ain't going to do that. Like, you know what you're getting when you come here. In 2015, when you did the uh, Music for My Friends project, you were early on the Griselda wave, early before it hit the tsunami Griselda wave came upon us. How did you link up with Westside Gun to do Luxury Song in 2015? And if memory serves me right, Sky, what, did you guys do a video for this also? Yep, we got the luxury video. Um, we had a couple videos, man. So, okay, so the way we met, yeah. 2014, 2014, Wes emailed me, um, you know, wanting to connect and, and do some work. And I think he was trying to do, like, a, a show in Buffalo. Or somebody wanted to do a show in Buffalo, and he wanted to plug me with them or something like that. And um, so, you know, we started building on the email. But I didn't know him. You know, he, he knew me. I, I didn't know him, but we, we started building on the email. And um, right. A3C was coming up, and, um, you know, he was like, yo, I'm going to be at A3C in Atlanta if you're going to be down here. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be there too, so let's connect. So, you know, we switched numbers, and we connected at A3C. We hung out. We went to the studio, and we did a record called Rolex. And we did this record called mm-hmm. Rolex, which is out now. It's crazy. We did the video and all that. But we did this record called Rolex, <laughs> and when I was there, it was me, Wes, Derringer, and Monk, and, uh, you know, Camouflage Monk. So, Derringer hands me a CD. He goes, yo, this our new joint that we just put out a while ago. Yo, when you got some time, check it out. And it was Hitler with Hermes 2. So I was like, all right, okay. cool. Wow. CD. So okay. I go back to New York. I'm going to Yonkers to get with Jadakiss to do See a Key. So if you know <clears throat> Brooklyn to Yonkers, is like an hour drive. Easily. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Maybe yeah. a little longer. Yeah. 
So uh-huh. I was like, all right, I got to drive to Yonkers. I said, you know what? I'm going to put I'm gonna put my man CD in the whole way. I want to check it out. So um, the whole drive to Yonkers and the whole drive back to Brooklyn, I listened to Hitler Wears Hermes 2, and I was blown away. I was like, yo, this is incredible. This is incredible. And I called him. I remember I called him while I was driving, and I said, yo, bro, I just wanted to give you a call. I said, I wanted to give you a call as opposed to a text. I said, I could have texted you, but I wanted it to be real. I wanted to call you and say, yo, this is incredible. You making some beautiful music. I said, bro, whatever you need from me from here on out, I'm in. Say the word, I'm in. And he was like, yo, that's real, man. I appreciate you. You know, a lot of these guys in the game, you know, they don't they don't show that love. They're funny, whatever, whatever. I said, nah, bro, whatever you need, I'm here. Because this is beautiful music, and the world needs to hear it. And he was like, yo, would you be down to do the video for Rolex? I said, absolutely, done deal. He said, I bet, you know, we're going to do it in Buffalo, so I'll bring you to Buffalo and, you know, take care of your hotel, whatever, whatever. I was like, I bet, yeah, I've never been to Buffalo, so let's do it. I went to Buffalo and spent the whole weekend out there. And we, yo, he took me to the hood. We was in the trap. We was at the hood stores. We was at the spot. We was on the block. He took me on like a Buffalo tour, you know what I'm saying? Like for the whole weekend. And then, um, and that was it. And, and, and that was the start of our brotherhood, man. So then when I was working on luxury, I wanted a certain sound on the hook. And I just, I thought about him and I was like, yo, what if I put, what if I put Wes on this record on the hook? And the reason why I did it like that, you know, I knew everything people seeing with Wes and, and his genius and his voice and his sound, right. I saw it back then. So I knew I, I knew what he was capable of and what he was doing. And I was like, yo, the world needs to hear this, but they need to understand it in the light that it deserves to be understood. You know, it's nothing to just do a verse. But I was like, yo, he's, he's a full-on artist, songwriter. Like, I could just see the whole vision. And, and what proves that to people more than anything is always hooks. You know, like, hooks is what makes yeah. people look at you as a full-on artist and a full-on songwriter. Mm-hmm. You look at, you know, Stevie Wonder. You look at, you know, yeah. uh, Smokey Robinson. You look mm-hmm. all the great. You look at Jay. You look all the great. The hooks mm-hmm. is what make people be like, oh, yeah, he's a full artist. He's not just a rapper mm-hmm. or he's not just a singer. Full-on artist. And I say, yo, I remember when Meth did the hook for Ice Cream. And I remember how Meth didn't want to do the hook. I remember reading stories about how Meth didn't want to do the hook. He was like, yo, now I don't want to do that hook. Like, I want, if anything, let me do a verse. And, th- and RZA had the vision. He was like, nah, just do the hook. They're going to love you on just the hook. And that's Meth's coming out party, man. That's Meth's shining moment. Yeah. Like, where everybody was like, yep. yo, yeah, oh, you a superstar. You a superstar. I get it now. You know what I mean? So I kept thinking about that. And that's why I wanted Wes to do the hook. I was like, yo, I want to, I want to turn that light on and let people really understand how dope this dude is. And that was it. You know what I mean? And um, I, I hit him and I explained all that to him, and he was like, yo, I'm down. You know? And you know, he he wrote the hook, and then I wrote the second half of it. So we kind of wrote the hook together, and um, you know, he spit it, and it was stupid. And then I was like, yo, I'm trying to shoot this video, bro. He was like, yo, done deal. I'm with it. Came up. And that was it. And I remember when the video came on MTV and he hit me like, yo, bro, man, you got me on TV. Then, you know what I mean? He was like, my mother, my mother, you know, is so happy seeing me on TV doing the right thing. Like, thank you, bro. And I remember Con called me saying the same thing. Conway was like, yo, bro, you got me on MTV. My hood is going crazy. Like, yo, what are you doing on MTV right now? You know what I mean? Like, it was, it was just love because Con is in the video and Malek is in the video. It just was love, man. And, you know, those are my brothers, man. Those are my brothers for real. I, I just spoke to Wes, I think, yesterday. Like, 
Those are my guys, man. Right. You know what I mean? So I, seeing what they're doing, I'm not surprised, man. I, I knew it was coming. You know, I, I knew it was coming. But did Conway kind of hint that was just saying about him in, in the Eastern Conference verse? Am I bugging? Did he kind of yeah, hint to what you're talking about? Yeah, I was he broke did. when I he shot that luxury vid. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah I was broke Facts. when he shot that luxury vid. And now my IG showing bitches what luxury is. Yeah. The luxury is. Facts. Thanks. Yeah. I'll be listening, Scott. Trust yeah. me. I rock with you heavy, man. I rock with you heavy, man. Yeah, I appreciate That's it. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Con in the That's video. Crazy, Con, Con got a nice mm-hmm. nice close-up in the video. I remember when he called me, he was like, yo, my hood is going crazy. Like, yo, bro, why are you on MTV right now? What's going on? Like, you know, so it was dope, man. That, 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 that's my family right there. Right. Because I think you and Royce, I think. I remember you and Royce were early on them before the, the wave came, man. Um. How come you, what is it about them that you think that the world has gravitated to them so much? I think it's the mixture of they do quote unquote mainstream hip hop as far as the look, like the money and the girls and the jewelry mm. and the clothes, mm. and that's what mainstream hip hop is. But they keep it authentic hip hop with the dirty beats and the content. And the lyricism, so it's a great hybrid. You know, you got you got guys who could be in the club with Migos as far as the money and the girls and the jewelry and all that. But then when you press play, the music reflects what hip hop was created on. So I think it's it's such a great hybrid. It's like the best of both worlds. You know, like hip hop was always about the money. Hip hop was always about the flash. Hip hop was always about the street. Hip hop was always about what was going on outside. That's the way it started. People like to ignore that because they think they're hip hop (laughs) purists and, you know, whatever. If you really a hip hop purist, you know what hip hop was about. It was always about bragging and boasting because you was coming from a neighborhood that had nothing. You was coming from outside, from the street, and had nothing. So you was proud to be able to say you had something. He was proud to be able to gloat a little bit and be like, yo, I got this. I got a color TV so I can see the Knicks play basketball. That's from, like, 84. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. that's bragging. Yeah. That's 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 the same yeah. thing as Jeezy or Migos saying they got a Bentley. Same thing. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, right. it's taking all that of what the stardom and everything about hip-hop is about, but it's keeping the essence of it with the lyricism and the grit and the dirty and the beats and the drum, you're not going to hear them on some shiny, glossy beat. You know what I'm saying? You're going to hear them mm-hmm. keeping it, quote, unquote, hip-hop. But they also, mm-hmm. the way they're able to move on a mainstream level, that's the way it goes down. So I think the reason why it's been so successful is because it's such a, a, a nice hybrid of the best of both worlds. And anytime you guys link up, it always seems to be good music, man, whether it's you and on Westside on uh, Fly God, um, 5015 and Song, or you and Benny on Hunter One and Hunter Part Two, I love Hunter Part Two. That's my. Mm-hmm. I thought you said that joint level lovely. For real, your verse on there is crazy. Appreciate it. You know what I mean? For real, appreciate for real. It. Yeah, I uh, appreciate it. Pepper, Me and Conway joints, Sky joints, Sky joints, Conway joints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Pedal Steam Sky in 2017, man. That was one of my favorite projects. It seems like you never skip a beat when it comes to making consistent music. And I always throw consistency next to your name, man. Um, I was playing 95 Bad Boy logo for the whole year, just to let you know. That's my train right there. <laughs> I, I just love that sample. Oh, the, 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 you know what I'm saying? Um, did you have fun making that project? 
Oh, yeah. No, I loved it. I loved it. Um, mm. I wanted to put something out that year, but I didn't want to put out a whole album because I had just put out uh, The Easy Truth with Apollo Brown the year before. Right. But I wanted to put out something, you know, to, to bridge the gap in between what was coming next, which was going to be in celebration of us. So I put mm. that out. I, I had this idea to put that together. And, you know, again, a concept project, you know, talking about, you know, the bike and the peddler themes and, you know, theme yes. music for peddlers, whether it's you pedal, whether you're a young kid pedaling on your bike trying to figure out the world or you outside on the block because you've grown and now you pedaling, you pushing, mm. you pitching, you know, so it was a concept in that and it starts with a skit of, that's not my real mom's, but I had this girl I know do a voice like, you know, as if she was my mom yeah. and then she closed the project mm. out doing a skit at the end and everything that you see as a kid and, you know, it just, yeah, you know what I mean? That, that was one of my favorites. Yeah. Sure, and 9-5 Bad Boy logo, yeah, I had a blast making that because that just talked about my era, my block, my hey. neighborhood that I grew up on. Hey. You know, I'm I'm from St. James. I'm from Diggy Block. So everything hey. in my in my neighborhood was Bad Boy. At that time, you couldn't say nothing hey. about Bad Boy. I mean, you might have <laughs> saw Puff pull up on the block. You know what I mean? Like, literally, like, hey. you might be outside and Puff might pull up in 1995. Like, that was what it was. You know what I mean? So, like, my whole yeah. neighborhood was covered with bad boy posters and Biggie posters and Junior Mafia. And mm. Everything was that. So that's what that record's about. Mm. It's about, you know, wanting to be involved with that. When I was a kid, I was already rapping because I started rhyming at nine. So right. I'm 12, 13 years old, 14 years old. I want to be down. I'm looking at them like, yo, what's up? Like, you know, I'm saying to myself, like, yo, these guys are superheroes. I'm trying to get down. Like, you know, like, all I wanted was a 9-5 bad boy logo on top of a letter. You know what I mean? Like, that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. You spoke about um, in celebration of us project, man. Yo, anybody ever told you that everybody's fine song, man, just the intro to that and just the transformation to going into the rhymes and everything, everybody's fine is one of my favorite joints, man. That joint is so fire, Thank man. You. I'm not going to lie, Scott. Your, your, your catalog is retarded when you really sit back and reflect and you look at it. If, if, like I said, if you're in the know, your catalog is, is me, yeah. my brother. And I just want to thank you for always giving us um, consistent music, man. I just want to give you your flowers on that. You nah, thank I mean? you. Thank thank you, man. I mean, that, that you know, earlier you said you, you said underrated and you was like how, you know, the, the word that's always attached to me is underrated, which is very true. Mm. But another word that's always attached to me as well is consistency. And I, I, yes. if I got to take the underrated word and take the consistency word with it, I'm cool with that. You know, like everybody always talks about, yo, bro, you the most consistent artist, man. Like, yes, yo, when you, you are. drop, you are. yo, that's you are. it. Like when you drop, yo, it's like, you know, what's up. Like if we go all the yep. way back, we go cloud nine, corner store, classic mixtape, uh, power words, mixtape, salvation, yep. live from the tape deck, uh, great debater mixtape, the Dream Deferred, you just keep going and going and going, and then, you know, before you know it, Battle Brothers, um, Theo versus you know, JJ. Um, Theo versus JJ. Theo versus JJ. Yeah, Theo, Theo versus JJ. Yeah, you right. go Battle Brothers, you go, um, you know, Spike Lee my joint. friends, you go uh, The Easy Truth. Yeah, Spike Lee was my hurt. Like, it's just, it's nonstop. Yeah. You know what's crazy? I did, um, I, I made this hoodie when I was on tour a couple years ago. I made mm. this hoodie, and on the front, it says, written by Sky Zoo. And on the back, it has all of my projects that I had up until that point. And, you know, um, when when I did it, there was, I was counting it, 
And when I did the back, I had to list all the, the projects I did, all the mixtape stuff, everything. Man, it yeah. was 25 projects. And that's before Retropolitan. That's Woo. before uh, wow. The Bluest Note. That's before Milestones. That's before um, uh, All the Brilliant Things, which is coming out, you know, in 2021. That was before all that. So I'm like, yo, I'm about to be at, like, 30 joints. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, I'm about to be at, yeah, like, man. 30 joints. And every time, and not being funny, man, every time I drop, we could put it in the talk for – Best of the year, without a doubt. You I could put it in the sir, yeah. I had you at without number two of Retropolitan, man. Last year. I thought Retropolitan was the number two best album in hip hop. I was fighting with you and um, I forgot who had number um, you and Benny. I was fighting for you and Benny. Like those are like one two to me that year. Retropolitan yeah. was in heavy rotation. I just don't think you miss a beat, and like the word consistency always goes with you because anyone who listens to Sky, you listen. JDK said I never spit one back one back first bar in the nineties. I can say Skies would never drop one whack project in the 2000 era. And that's just a super fact. Thank if you. you know, you know, I got every project from you. I listen to all your projects, and I've never Thank you. I've never listened to Skies' project. I'm like, nah, son, I ain't really feeling this, B. This ain't, this ain't the one, Sky. You kind of dropped the ball on this. Right. Yo, what's, what's good with this? Damn, Sky, what's good, son? They literally the, they, they literally the lab with this shit. Like, who told you to drop this shit? Right. I never had any right. kind of conversations <laughs> with you. You know what I'm saying? So, I just want to salute you, and I right. appreciate you coming on the show to rock out with me, Scott, for real, son. Nah, thank you, man. And, you know, everything you said is, is the reason why I do it. You know, I do it the way I do it because it's like I never want that to be the conversation. I never want nobody to be like, yo, he was killing it, and then he dropped that one joint and was like, Dah. like, nah, we're not doing that. You know what I mean? Like, we're not doing right. that, you know, because the way I was raised, all the stuff I was raised on, whether it was Ready to Die, Reasonable Doubt, Illmatic, Liquid Swords, only built for Cuban links, Iron Man, the stuff I was raised on, that's that's all I know. Like that's that's the criteria. Right. You know, that's what I was built on. So my thing is to keep that level of dopeness alive. I ain't saying I'm gonna make music like if I'm stuck back then, not at all. I'm not trying to make no music like I'm stuck in the nineties and under that. Nah, but my thing is to make music that carries that tradition and continues to be great. And carries all that along, and that's it. You know what I mean? That that's truly what it's about for me. All right, God, man, I appreciate you for rocking on me, my nigga. For real, I appreciate you, brother. Nah, thank you, man. I know it was a long time coming, and I'm glad we uh we was able to sit down. And man, it was a dope interview. I know we was able to sit down and take a long time with it and build. Yes, yes. man. I look, yeah, look like we over an hour, and I love it, man. I'm glad we was able to lock in. Well, right. appreciate you, Scott, my nigga. My man, you already, man. Let's get it going. All day, man. Shout out to my brother Skyzoo, man. Y'all know the vibes, man. PSA Hip Hop. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.